down in Petersburg, everything's fine. All lamb cats is drinking that wine, drinking that mess is their delight. When he gets drunk, start singing all night, drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Drinking that mess is their delight. When he gets drunk, start fighting all night. Knock down windows and tear down doors. Welcome to Tasting Anarchy's monthly beer episode. I'm Jake Lindsay, and I'm joined by my very lovely sister, Jory. Jory Lindsay, hi. And we are going to be reviewing a beer that I picked this week. Um, and I, and I, honestly, I think that this is maybe less interesting than the beers that you've chosen, Jory, because it's not really local to either one of us, but it is something that early on was kind of my introduction to craft beers. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it's, not, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know if it's if it's a craft beer exactly. It's it's from Samuel Smith, which is a very old brewery in Yorkshire, England. Um, which for the listeners and for you, I'm not sure if you know where it is. It's like right up there, very close to the border with Scotland. Okay. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, and they do they do a lot of older style ales mostly. I think they do. I think they do some. I think they do some ciders and stuff like that too. Uh, yeah, um, I know. When I was looking for it, that they had a, a few ciders and then an apricot, an apricot, but I can't, I couldn't figure out if that was a beer or a cider. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I, I've had like they they make a lot of different stuff. So th- I've had their imperial stout, yeah. which is pretty good. I've had their their they have a t- mm-hmm. uh, porter called Taddy Porter, which I think is pretty good. Um, this week I got the oatmeal stout and the organic chocolate stout. Uh, I'm not sure which one you were able to get. I got the chocolate. Okay. So then we'll share that one. I've also had their nut brown ale, which I think is very good. And they have, uh, I like nut brown. yeah, that, their, their nut brown is very good, I think. And they also have, um, it's like an India ale. It's not, I don't think it's an India pale ale the way that Americans do it. It's good. It's, it's not as, uh-huh. it's not as hoppy as ours. So I think okay. it's closer yeah. to like an English bitter, but those are oh, the ones. Okay. Those yeah. are the ones that I've had of theirs that are good. But this is, I thought, would be kind of a good way to to sort of showcase to you when I was, you know, in my early twenties and discovering beer. This is the. This is what uh-huh. I started started getting me into, like drinking stuff besides Blue Moon and uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. And uh, so I don't know. And this is also just kind of the style of beer I tend to like, which are like the the heavier dark ales. Yeah. Uh, I know that you're more into mm-hmm. like the Belgians. Um, which, which, well, those actually can be pretty heavy too, but, um, this, this is just yeah, kind of the, well, the English style. I don't, I don't usually like the heavier Belgians, but mm. I do, I used to really like porters and stouts. That was my go-to unless I was drinking like Corona light. Yeah. But, um, I would, if we went out, I would get a porter, a stout. And then after having August, I, they were, they became a little sweet for me. Oh, okay. Is that, do you, yeah, is that, a, do, you, do you know if that's a common thing that like when, Somebody has a kid that their taste change. That. Huh. Yes, that's interesting. I have I have heard that because I remember when right after August was born when mom and dad came to visit, we went back to Hopcat and I was like, Yes, I can finally taste beers and I had all these and mainly porters and stouts were what I was excited to taste. Yeah. And I got three samples uh, because a, I was with mom and dad, but also because I was, you know, it was very early, and they were all the porters and stuff, and I was like, oh, like I liked them, but it wasn't what I remembered right. for some reason. <laughs> and then that's kind of when I started branching out a little more, and um, and recently been getting into the lighter Belgians like the saisons and the yeah, uh, you know. Well, I like sours and I like hefeweizens and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, you know that's that's interesting because I don't know if it was. I mean, obviously it wasn't because I had a kid, but I, uh, later yeah. on, like I started getting sort of sick of stouts and porters and that sort of stuff, and, and end up mm-hmm. switching into like saisons, particularly like really farmy, yeah. unusual saisons and the kind of like funky sours. Yeah, I like that too. Well, I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's more. I mean, I'm sure that it does have to do with your taste buds changing a little bit, but I wonder if it's more like uh, the desire for more complexity and more unusual stuff. Is that like you start getting used to it? Yeah, I think it does have to do with that as well. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I didn't drink for nine months, so I kind of forgot. Or if a porter of stout was probably one of the first beers other than something like Blue Moon or, you know, the normal beers that I tried. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like this. And so that's what I stuck to. So Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure if that's what it was, why that is the kind of beer that I thought that I like, which I do still like it. There's still several ones I like. I've been sipping on this chocolate since we started, and it's pretty nice. We'll talk about it in a second. Okay. Well, I mean, you can talk about it right now if you want. That's that's all. I I just sort of wanted to give an introduction to why I chose these. So what do you think about Mm -hmm. the chocolate? I 
like it a lot, and um, it is it it doesn't seem super duper heavy. Um, I, I I do definitely taste the chocolate. Um, it's really smooth. It's very smooth. Yeah, um, I, I think I think it is. Yeah, it's it's sweet but not obnoxious. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Well, this is interesting. Uh, my cause... coworker. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just saying, my I was telling my coworker about that that's the one that we were going to review today and he was like oh it is so chocolatey it tastes just like chocolate milk and i was like oh okay i'm excited and i don't get chocolate milk out of it but <laughs> but i do think that it is chocolatey but not but it, it is good it almost seems like it has a fruitiness to it yeah which is weird well it's i'm a, not sure what that is though yeah I, mean, I just took a i just took a couple of sips of it while you were talking and mm-hmm. It's definitely different than I remember, and it's probably been five or six years since I've had this. Okay. Uh, so it like I I remember it being much much heavier, like a food beer, not not as and it, it is a lot smoother, a lot lighter, and sweeter than I recall. But then again, like I've been just pretty much drinking just wine and occasionally uh, a mm-hmm. beer beer for like the last couple of years. So um, so right. I don't know. It's interesting. And then also, I, you didn't get this one, but I also got the. Um, the oatmeal stout that they make, and this is also oh, man, com- it's also completely different than how I remember. It's it's not bad. It's it's a little bit. It's mm-hmm. more it's more uh, it's more carbonated than the chocolate stout, and a little bit lighter, but uh, it's still yeah. it's still very good. So I don't know if you guys want to check these out, listeners. Uh, I recommend them. I think they're both very good, and I, I think everything from Samuel Smith is. It's a little. It's it's it is craft, I guess, but it's more mm-hmm. of a British mass-produced craft. So uh, okay. it's pretty much available everywhere, and you can get them either by the bottle or you can get them uh, in like small four packs. They they make those. I don't think they make. I don't think they make six packs or anything like that. But it's it's pretty widely available. Most of them. Some some of the ones. Yeah. Are that are harder to get are going to be like the, like the apricot one you were talking about, or their ciders are not in as many places. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's one called like a stingo or something like that that they that they make. I don't even know what it is, but I think it's uh, I think it's aged in oak. And mm. but I've never seen it here. I've I've heard I've heard other people talk about it, but I've never actually seen it here. Um, so okay. I don't know. That's an interesting one. So yeah, I don't know. Everybody check it out. You, have you tried anything else recently that you think is particularly good? Um, beer wise, well, we just got a new beer on our local, so it is from Nebraska. I can't remember which brewery. Um, and it's called the Kalike, which is on our menu described as a golden ale. But I keep on saying we need to add that it's a Belgian golden ale because it oh, is yeah. tastes very much like a Hefeweizen to me, mm-hmm. which is a very different taste than a, a different, like we had another Belgian ale on that was completely different. And so I was like, we need to add Belgian on here. Yeah. And uh, so that one was really good. And then I, and then other than that, sorry, August. Um, <laughs> That's all right. She's joining in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so other than that, you know, we have constantly changing ones. So I tried an oatmeal stout the other day that was delicious, and I can't remember what it is now. Mm-hmm. And I remember being, and I was like, oh, I haven't, and I think I just hadn't tried an oatmeal stout. It was a nitro oatmeal stout. It was called, the name of it is a black hole, a, a forming black hole, which I don't know what it is, but my guest told me that. Oh, okay. I called it the Calypso, Calypso. Oh, okay. Because I, hmm. I said it wrong, and he goes, no, it's pronounced Calypso or Calypso, whatever I didn't say, because he said it's what a, it's a forming black hole. And I said, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, perfect. Hmm. Okay. That's <laughs> but that one was pretty good. I'm pretty sure that one was by, uh, oh, no, I don't remember. Might be Wine Elm, which is okay. another Lincoln brewery. That, okay, so okay, this actually is a good. This is a good talking about local breweries is a good segue mm-hmm. to the article that I read in in our former local newspaper, the Mountain Democrat, um, which I think is I think that's out of Plasterville, isn't it, Mountain Democrat, or is it somewhere? Yeah, okay. yeah, I believe so. No, I I think that's right. Okay, well they they just uh, they are reporting on a, a new. I guess they already had one of these for South Lake Tahoe because South Lake Tahoe has a whole bunch of breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just released a new El Dorado Ale Trail map for the new. Ooh. Yeah, so they've got. It's just basically you can follow it and go to all the breweries in the area. 
I, I thought I think it's actually kind of funny because it does have one brewery in Eldorado Hills, our area, uh, right. which I didn't know that there was a brewery in Eldorado Hills. I didn't either. And then, and then almost all of the other ones are in Placerville. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so it's it's funny, <laughs> but I'll go ahead and read them off, and you tell me if if you uh, recognize any of these breweries, okay? So okay. the one in Eldorado Hills is called uh, Mara's, Mara's Brewing Company, M-R-A-Z, Mara's. Okay. Or I Mara's. haven't heard of that. Yeah. I've never heard of this one either. Uh, then then up in – then also another thing, there's nothing in Cameron Park apparently. Yeah. And I'm not well, – I'm not ex- yeah, exactly. It's Cameron Park. I'm not super surprised <laughs> by that, but at the same time, I'm kind of – I kind of am. I don't know. Like, so I, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird uh, that there's you just like You need a middle, a middle ground. Yeah, well, because like – we we you know when you and I were kids we almost never went up to Placerville but we went up to Cameron Park yeah, all the time only right we did go to Cameron Park all the time and then I, I remember when we swam up there it was so far uh-huh. to go to swim practice every oh yeah time. yeah when we swam with the dolphins it seemed, yeah and it seemed just like I mean mom would pack us snacks yeah <laughs> but now it's you know Janie and Jody Beth both live up there and it's like a zip yeah exactly like, why yeah. did you think it was so far to go up to Placerville well, yeah I remember that and you remember when we uh, I don't was it Rancho Cordova when we slammed for the Marlins? Yeah, and that that was, I feel that, like that, it was even further. Yeah, that seemed like a long a long drive too. And now and now yeah. just thinking about it because it's like when Victoria and I fly in, we fly into San Francisco, and and it's a drive, but it's at mm-hmm. the same time it's just kind of like. Oh yeah, it's just in San Francisco, not a big deal. It's like a, it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, you know, two hours with traffic. Yeah. So right. Uh, it's 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 just weird to think of like when you're a kid how much further something is than when you're an adult. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Which it, is funny yeah. because I think the same thing. Like, oh, San Francisco, no big deal. But then when I think about, oh man, I have August. Mm-hmm. It's it's way different. So I'm like, well, yeah. um, we're actually going in about two weeks on a little whim trip, and uh, but we're going to fly into San Diego and drive with mom. Oh, okay. Down and. Uh, so we'll see how that drive goes. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully you'll be back in time for me to be. Uh, oh, well, I'll be back <laughs> in Lincoln to see you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think that's going to be fun. We're going to, we actually still haven't gotten our tickets, but I think we're going to, you know, Victoria's got that perks at work thing. So we're going to try to use that to get, to get tickets and get points for it. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, anyways, back to the, back to the ale trail after, after we, (laughs) this is, this is how, (laughs) this is how our conversations go. That's the Lindsay, that's the Lindsay conversation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so it's, I'm going to say MRAS or Mraz brewing company that's okay. a, that's one in eldorado hills so when we're up there we need to go check that out yeah definitely you know, support support edh so absolutely uh then up in this is the first one in placerville golden hills winery and brewery okay uh i don't know this one but i actually happen to i i read about what's going on in the alcohol industry in places where like i'm interested and i'm interested in yeah. eldorado county and then there's actually a lot going on in amador county now as well which is the county okay. just south of yeah. south of Eldorado County, and um, mm-hmm. this this uh, this winery and brewery has come up be- not specifically because they're good or bad. I don't I don't really know, but um, because they their gimmick is that they do since like 2003, they've been doing craft brew and wine, which okay. which is pretty long time for the craft brewing movement. Like there wasn't really that many local did breweries. Really, um, what did you notice? What kind of uh, beers they do normally? No, I didn't. Uh, I I didn't look it up. I just they they happen to mention it in another article of the of mm-hmm. basically what's going on with wine in Eldorado County because actually Eldorado County has a lot of world class wineries and there's there's a couple that actually make really good uh, BDX style wines which is like the Bordeaux style. Uh, they're they're not they're not the same as the merit the Meritage ones, but they're it's it's in that style. So, um, but their their whole selling point is that I guess that like. They were like, well, we couldn't get we couldn't get guys to come out with their wives to the winery, so we started offering craft beer, and oh. that and that that attracted them to come out as well. And so we, you know, we now we see a lot more sales in wine because we're also selling the beer, and the beer attracts certain type of people, and the wine attracts certain type of people. And if it's both here, then they'll then they'll both come. Yeah, that's a. That's a good. It was a good. That's a good insight, especially a good that's insight a for gimmick. yeah, especially for that that far back. Somebody realized that. You know, we, yeah. we we can do both well, of these. Well, because that is kind of on the fringe too of the you know this craft beer in the last five years has mm-hmm. just exploded. Yeah. Well, I you know when when Mason <laughs> and I when yeah it was the hipsters when Mason and I first started getting into the craft brew, there was I think I think two like two maybe three craft breweries in Virginia Beach and Norfolk area. Uh, mm-hmm. o- O'Connor's was the big one. 
Smart Mouth was pretty okay. big, but Smart Mouth was started, I think, by a guy who was like graduating class just one above me. And um, oh, okay, wow. And then uh, they they oh, they had just opened. It was um, it used to be called uh, Beach Brewing, and then they they got uh-huh. they got sued or something like that, and they changed it to Reaver Beach Brewing. Oh, okay. And uh, and then maybe. Three or four years after Mason and I were starting to really get into brewery, they just they just started popping up left and right. The uh, young veterans opened up, and then Rip Rap opened mm-hmm. up, and um, I, there's like five or six new ones in Norfolk. And like and during right. that entire time, Mason and I were like they're they're gonna re, they're gonna like saturate the market. It's gonna there's gonna be a peak, and then it's gonna collapse. And so yeah. far, so far, I haven't really seen that. The only the only thing that was like an unusual thing was you know Green Flash. Um, Green Flash, yeah, they they moved here. Oh, okay. So they they actually opened one up in Virginia Beach as well. Yeah, and yep, they, they opened one in Virginia Beach and it closed and moved to Lincoln. Well, they from what I understand, the reason that the one closed in Virginia Beach was because uh, there was some sort of like embezzlement going on. Oh, I did hear about yeah. that. I, they oh, had, yeah, yeah, they had to like they That's had to like so declare funny. bankruptcy and restructure or something like that. Yeah, so. I I can't remember is because I know people who I don't did it change owners because I, I know that it's the same brewer like technical yeah. like recipes or I suppose mm-hmm. but then they reopened here because I remember before it even moved here those people came in to Hopcat because we carried Green Flash and yeah um, which is what I was gonna say is I kind of expected it to um, kind of like saturate and collapse too I was like well this is gonna be a fad and then it's gonna yeah. go out of business but I also think that uh, maybe what might be contributing to the non-collapse or whatever is places like Hopcat or because um, we exclusively carry craft beers. Yeah. And there's I know there are a couple other places too that aren't breweries themselves but do exclusively carry yeah. craft beer or at least carry several. And so yeah, well you know even it, even some of those larger companies that are part of uh, you know like the company that owns like. Um, owns like macaroni grill and um yeah all those i i think uh, they i think either they or a company similar to them owns yard house and even yard house carries a okay. surprisingly large number of craft yes, beer so they do. yeah yard house also has some domestic but they do have a ton of craft beer also yeah. actually they have really good craft beer i just went to one in um colorado last time around there. oh yeah yeah. Really yeah mom sent me a, a gift card for uh whatever the company's is that owns yard house and i was like oh well we can maybe mm-hmm. we can go there and get a drink or something uh because we're not yeah i know that's mom not really our gift card too and oh cool they don't have they don't but they don't have one here oh, <laughs> i was oh. like dang it so we have to go to cheddars <laughs> oh cheddars okay <laughs> which is yeah i think that was like the only one that we have around here macaroni grill i think is in omaha so we mm-hmm. might save it and go there because i do like macaroni grill but yeah. um, well let's come back cheddars to cheddars is good too but <laughs> let's come back to the 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 question of the brewery yeah. collapse because i i have another idea on that that i that's also part of the notes but let me read off the rest of these so uh we've, yeah. we've gotten two in and, and then sidetracked twice <laughs> So, uh, so Mraz in, or Mraz, however you say it, in, um, Eldorado Hills, Golden Hill Winery and Brewery in Placerville, mm-hmm. Outbreak Brewing, uh, in Placerville, Placerville Brewing right. Company. Uh, we've actually talked about this next one, Jack Russell, uh, Brewing. Uh, they yeah. have two locations, downtown and then up in, uh, Camino. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess the Camino one is their, is their farm. So they, that's where they, that's where they grow some of the stuff that they put in the beer and some of the, and just food in general. Uh, Stash Brewing Company, Solid Ground Brewing, Eldorado Brewing Company. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. So the, uh, Stash Brewing is in Garden Valley. Solid Ground mm-hmm. Brewing is in Diamond Springs. Eldorado Brewing is in Diamond Springs. Then they list Jack Russell again, but it's the farm that's up in Camino. And then there's a new one opening up, or it may have already opened up in uh, Camino called uh, Highway 50 Brewing. Ooh, I like that name. Yeah. Yeah, that's. A, I think that's a good one, especially uh, since the freeway or Highway 50 is like an integral part of of us growing up in that area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's why I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. So this is it's neat. They the article there was actually one thing <laughs> that they said in the article that I thought was hilarious. That uh, oh man, did I lose it? No, 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 no. I I, I thought I lost the oh. article, but no. So they basically what they they were asking one of the. Um, the way that she phrased this, it was actually it was they were talking about uh, Golden Hill Winery and Brewery, and they were interviewing the lady, and she was this was from the other the other article. Uh, they were interviewing the lady, and she was saying, um, 
She's like, yeah, women wanted to come to our winery, but they couldn't bring, the, but their man wouldn't come. So in order to get their man to come, we decided <laughs> to introduce beer. And I was like, this is so funny because like my, my mindset on the culture of California has changed so much since I haven't lived there in a long time. And, mm-hmm. but it, when I read quotes from people from, particularly from like up the hill in California or in Northern California, they just sound so mm-hmm. normal. <laughs> but like compared to like people from the Bay Area or Los Angeles, when like I read stuff about people from the Bay Area or Los Angeles, I'm like, how are these people, how do these people function in, in reality? Because they just sound yeah. so insane. But then when you read like the Mountain Democrats, a good example of this, when you just read like regular people talking yeah. or doing quotes, they just sound like normal old people. There's, there's no like the right. late, the lady wasn't like, well, I want to be gender nonspecific. So the, right. oh, God. their partner, uh, may be, uh, identify as male and people who identify <laughs> as male may <laughs> like beer better. <laughs> so like it was none of that. It's just, so, it's just like, yeah, they want to bring their man. So we started giving them beer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I just thought Which it was a great thing. It was very funny. That is so funny. That's hilarious. That is so funny. Yeah, but but um, I mean, like, and I also think it's funny that you you love wine. Oh, I do. Yeah, so, yeah, I do. Especially, yeah. But so you would think with all the, I guess that's maybe another northern Northern California, Southern California thing is there's probably more wine snobs in, in Southern California. Well, I don't know. Well, like, I don't mo- know though, most of the most California of the good wine. Yeah, wine. most of the good wine yeah, comes from Northern California. So it's in so- Sonoma, true, Napa, or even El Dorado County now yeah. is growing these. Is just really growing, the, and it's. You know, one of the things that is the advantage that El Dorado County has is there's a lot of the decomposed granite soil, and mm-hmm. which adds an interesting flavor to it, and and it's gravelly. So, like a lot of uh, if it's a gravelly soil, it reflects a lot more heat up to the the up to the fruit, and so it it okay. it increases the sugar content, which makes it a higher alcohol content usually. And you can and right. so Ooh. you can pick it at a earlier time, so you don't have to worry so much about freezes and things like that. Um, so it's it's interesting, like the the all of the stuff that goes into what makes a area a good wine area. Yeah. Um. And Eldorado County just and Amador County too. They have they have a lot of, but, but I mean they're both very large counties, so it does vary from where you are in the county, and you can get a lot like right. this. This uh, I got a Tempranillo from Amador uh, recently, mm-hmm. and I, I think I mm-hmm. shared I think I shared it with the family. It's fifteen point five percent alcohol by volume. It's super alcoholic for a wine, and yeah, uh, that's that it's, it? well, it's really high for a wine. But it's because it's because it gets so hot in Amador, and yeah. Uh, but when you go look at a lot of these wines, like over the last couple of years, it goes from thirteen point five to fifteen point five. It just mm-hmm. depends on what the temperature was like and when they picked. Like they they probably picked a little oh. bit late. Yeah, uh, because that's very high for even for a Tempranillo, which are are usually a little bit higher. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a very high alcohol content, which means they probably picked a little bit later than they should have, and because it, it, it had more sugar in it. But it's it's one of those things. It's just hard to it's hard to decide when to pick. You know. It, so, yeah. Um, but you know what's, what would you say is? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. What do you, what would you say is a, a average? APV for wine. Well, it depends on the wine. So, uh, so like Zinfandel, which is California is very famous for Zinfandel. Yeah. Zinfandel usually yeah. is around fourteen. Um, so, it, okay. but it, but that's okay. a but that's a very high alcohol wine in general. Okay. Uh, but then you've mm-hmm. got you've got wines yeah. uh, like there's a type of wine called Cahors. Uh, it's mm-hmm. and it's I think it's a blend. Uh, it's Eastern European. Then there's there's also a Cahors region in France, which is uh, is a region that they that's a whole other thing. But there's the Cahors from Eastern Europe is usually about sixteen percent, which is yeah. which is oh, pretty wow. high. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's a very sweet wine. I, I'm not a fan of it, uh, but Victoria yeah. likes it. And um, okay, well, yeah. Then then you've got like a lot some like a white Bordeaux, for example. A white Bordeaux can be eleven and a half, twelve percent. Fair, which is you know fairly low. You can get some whites, and and I'm sure you can get some reds too. I'm just I just am not super familiar with what they are. But you can get some whites that are down in like nine percent, like under ten percent. Oh wow! Yeah, so it does it varies yeah, a lot, it, and and it also depends on where they're from. Like California tends to have more alcoholic wine than say okay. than say like Bordeaux. Um, uh-huh. Bur- Bordeaux is gonna yeah. is gonna be usually on the lower end for their red wine, so it's gonna be you know twelve and a half to thirteen and a half percent. Uh, but also, again, it depends on the year. If it's a very warm year, it's going to be higher. Um, I wonder. I I feel like people don't realize how high EV wine is. Maybe uh-huh. maybe not. But there, I had a guest the other day who was trying to decide what beer she liked, and I brought her a sample of one that was, I think, five point six percent or something. Yeah. And she tasted. It. She's like, I like it, but I feel like it's going to be too much alcohol. She had a young baby with her, so oh, I'm yeah. assuming she was worried about breastfeeding. Yeah. 
goes, maybe I'll just have a glass of wine. And I yeah. said, oh, well, I mean, that's fine, but our wine is 14%. Yeah. <laughs> we only have one. It's right. Soda well, I you know, I, I don't know, because, like, both of these Samuel Smiths are five, five uh, percent alcohol by volume. So yeah. you're right, though. It's it's sort of hard to judge because I think when you have a glass of wine, because you sip it over a much longer period of time, right? Uh, it, and a normal pour is five to eight ounces. Yeah. Or I know most restaurants will offer you either a five ounce pour or an eight ounce pour. Mm-hmm. Um, where a, a beer, for the most part, it will be you know between thirteen and well between you know ten and sixteen ounces mm-hmm. for a beer. So right, right. So you're you're drinking a, a much higher volume of beer, even though the alcohol yeah. percentage is lower. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, mean, I know so that like that. they they always say they always. I don't know if you remember this from high school and I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know how they used to pass out those pictures where it would be like a glass of beer is equivalent, yeah. equivalent to this much wine and equivalent to this much liquor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they've got like a finger of liquor is equivalent to one glass of wine and one glass of wine is equal to like one large glass of beer or something like that. Yeah. Um, but they're, um, but the volume is different. Is different. Right. So, so yeah, it was just so funny. Cause I don't think she, she was like, Oh wow. I didn't, like it didn't yeah. register to her. She's like, "Oh, so I can have a beer." And I was like, "Well, yeah, but just you can and yeah. we can do, we can kind of do different sizes with our beers at Hopcat, but Yeah. Um, well, and I know that like so two I have a question. Yeah, sure. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say well, that the, was... the other the other thing with beer is that uh a higher alcohol beer in my opinion is boozier uh-huh. than a high alcohol wine. Oh, I agree. Yeah, so it, it's, it's like the the way you drink it. Yeah, yeah, like like, like a like a like the... a triple or something like that. A triple or like a uh, like a like I don't know any of the any of the high like or barley wine or something like that. Those yeah. like, I can't even oh, drink God, a barley, barley wine. wine. Yeah, they, oh, neither just, can I. <laughs> it's just too it's too strong. And oh, I just feel like I'm drinking like you know gin or something. Yeah, so I don't know, but anyways. That that's how that's oh so well actually that is kind of leads into my question was what can you, what do you know about mead and like and, and the way that they're made versus because mm-hmm. meads in my head are, are much more wine like yeah. and that's kind of when someone asks me what a mead is at work we get them every so often yeah so I'll I'll explain it like that it's more of and maybe actually serving in a wine glass yeah but um well but yeah mead is closer ones. closer to wine. I would think I've made, okay. I made me. So do they does it use hot? Oh, see, I like some meat. Yeah. I like some meat. And that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say was that about that Jack Russell brewery. Yeah. I had a mead there that I really liked, which was called a honey mead. And I was like, and then some lady was trying to explain to me that it was a honey weed. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure that's what a mead is. Is that yeah. it's a honey wine? It's a honey. It's technically a beer though, right? Or does it use hops? Is that what makes a beer? It, beer well, it, it can be hops. So hot, what hop? You, and actually, there's beers that don't use hops. So, um, okay. So the one of the the, the, the reason green. the reason that they, they they use hops is for preservative. Mm-hmm. So it it helps it keep right. And okay, uh, mead will spoil, but from my understanding, honey they, they, like the honey will last forever, pretty much. But what they okay. what they what they do is. All alcohol is made basically the same way. You're 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 trying to make a sugar, and then you're using yeast yeah. yeast to metabolize the sugar, and then the right. the byproduct. Which I was talk I was joking with somebody on Twitter about this. Is they were like, "Why would you drink alcohol? It's just yeast poop." And I was like, "Yeah, but why would you breathe? It's just plant poop. It's 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 basically <laughs> the same thing. It's just like yeah, yeah but exactly. like it's the byproduct. Yes, yeah, yeah. the byproduct of a yeast life cycle is that they they will metabolize the sugar and then they produce alcohol." And then they die, and that's what the little mm-hmm. the little gross stuff on the bottom of your of your brewery. That's why you filter a beer is to try to get that gross stuff yeah. out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so meat is basically the same is the same concept. You're fermenting uh, honey. honey, and honey is oh, okay. it's a different type of sugar though than what's in fruit and what's in um, what's in. Well, what's in the you're using you're what you do is you heat up the grain and then you the grain mm-hmm. uh, there's an enzyme that is in the grain and then that will help release the sugar and then you then you get the sugar to dissolve into the water which is very similar to making DMT but instead of getting the DMT oh, out it's getting the it's getting the sugars out of the substrate then you discard the grain and mm-hmm. what you're left with is sugar water and then you cool it and you introduce the yeast and that is how beer is made mead is done oh, okay. is done in a similar way is you you basically are mixing the honey with water and then you're introducing a yeast 
that is good at metabolize and there's different yeast that'll do it that it's good at yeah. metabolizing the type of sugar that is honey and then okay. and then that produces meat and then you can hop it there are hopped meads um mm-hmm. you can do other things yeah. to it as well so so like uh before hops were uh introduced into Europe they used mm-hmm. to bitter beers with um with uh a couple of different things they would use spruce tips would be one preservative so they would right. they would trim yeah. these spruce tips and you'd have a very piney piney beer they actually they yeah. still make some uh there's a couple of scottish ones we, that are really good we had one on recently called spruce tips it was an ipa oh okay that's see that's and interesting it was called spruce tips and it yes it tasted like a christmas tree mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're interesting hey, they're different I don't care for IPAs, so. okay yeah, they, they, <laughs> yeah it is different but it's but they're interesting yeah. there's a there's a scottish one i can't remember what it's called but it's done with spruce tips i like that one a lot there's also another okay. another bittering agent that they used to use was um, ground ivy. So, uh, and actually Virginia, ivy? it's it's not ivy like what you think of as ivy. It's ground ivy. Right. So it's like a it's like okay. a it's a vegetation. It's oh, ground it, ivy. Yeah, okay. ground ivy. So it's like a okay. It's like a plant that it, it's not a climber like ivy. It's a it's something that just kind of like lays on the ground, and you can you can pick, right. you can actually eat it like salad. It's not bad. I used to we grew it in the backyard when I lived in Virginia Beach, and we would eat it. It was, it I was kind of good. remember. I kind of remember thinking, like, talk, like hearing Dad talk about it as a ground cover, kind of. It's yeah, something yeah. that kind of just takes up space so weeds don't grow. Yeah, but, and that's basically that's basically what you can use it for. It looks, it kind of looks mm-hmm. like a weed. It's not like it's not like uh, decorative ivy. So it's it's a much right. it's a much softer ivy, and um, it's okay. it's sort of like. It sort of looks like spinach, kind of. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, it, it actually tastes pretty good. We, like I said, I used to grow it in the backyard, and we would eat it in salads and stuff. It's it's good. It's it's bitter. Oh, okay. But it's uh, yeah. So they would use that as a bittering agent in wine. They use they use other types of preservatives. So uh, mm-hmm. they don't use this as much anymore. But there, there's a sap that they used to include in it. It was like a re- a resin, a tree resin. Um, and that, uh-huh. that was, uh, that's okay. something that like the Romans used to use. This is before they discovered sulfates as a preservative. So mm-hmm. they would use, they would, they would, and you know, in some places they'll, they'll hop wine, uh, because oh, it's, interesting. yeah, it's, it's just a way to get it to preserve because wine doesn't last very right. long. And, uh, yeah. unless you put some sort of preservative in it to stop the fermentation yeah. process. And, uh, what they use now is they use sulfite or sulfates or sul I think it's sulfate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. they'll use these, these types of things. And that, that's kind of a, there's other ways to do it, but that's the most common way is to put in sulfates to, to make it so it ages better. It keeps longer on the shelf. Right. It makes it easier to transport. Mm-hmm. It's not as sensitive to temperatures and things like that. And, and that's kind right. of, that's sort of what's going on now with mead. They're using other preservatives a lot of time, but they can hop it and uh-huh. um, it changes. It makes it a lot less sweet. Mead to me is, is just too sweet. Uh, that's what, okay. Cause that's what I was going to say. I was, I was surprised that. No, there are. So we had one on recently called like baked apple or something that was ridiculously sweet. Like I could not even yeah. handle it. But we've had ones on before that are much. They have a really awesome mouthfeel, and that's yeah. what I like about them. They are very sweet. It's not something that I would have a lot of, mm-hmm. but um, I just like the slickness of them. Yeah, they're, like yeah, it's very viscous. It's very, very viscous. It's like slippery and yeah. and like light body. Yeah, viscous. Yeah. That's a good descriptive word. I always this is such a weird thing, but I always when I drink one and I this is another reason I kind of like saisons. Certain mm-hmm. saisons is because they're also very have that that viscosity that slickness to them. Yeah. But for some reason, it reminds me of or it makes me think of all of you those the bath balls. Oh yeah, yeah. It, for some reason, in my head, like that's what I'm like. Oh yeah, this is like a bath bubble. <laughs> right. Because they were just they had that oil in them, and it, it for some reason reminded me of that. And so when I drink them, I'm like, oh, bath bubbles, like which is probably horrible because I'm sure a bath bubble tastes horrible. <laughs> probably but it does. Something about the slickness and the oiliness of it is just for some reason when I would imagine that I just think of bath bubbles. Yeah. I think maybe because playing with them, they were so smooth and yeah. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, it is like slippery, and you know, there's some. There's a lot yeah. of wines that'll have that too. Like very light-bodied wines can have a kind of a viscous texture. They're not. They have very yeah. low tannins, so they don't have that grippiness that a red mm-hmm. wine has. And they'll have kind of right. a. Yeah. It'll be more slippery. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like usually a high acidity wine, it'll be more along those lines. But meat, meat is interesting. I, I, I've never been a big fan of it. Yeah. I know that like my group of friends really liked. Uh, uh, 
I think it was called Viking's Blood, which is it was mead mixed with cherry juice, and, okay. and it was just mm-hmm. it was just way too sweet for me. And it was it wasn't like cherry. A, go go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. It no, was, I was gonna. I was just gonna say we have a. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say I was gonna say it was not like it was like a Mendocino cherry or. Not, or uh, not a oh, uh, right. not like yeah. a, not like a fresh cherry. Yeah. Well, we have one on now black raspberry nectar. I feel like meads are always like several of the meads that we get are called nectar, something something nectar. Mm. Apple nectar, black raspberry nectar. Okay. But um and that one isn't overly sweet and we've had a couple of sparkling meads on which I don't care for. They remind me of champagne. Yeah. And I like them. They're, I do yeah. like them actually, but it's not it, it's not the mouthfeel that I like. Yeah. But um this one at Jack Russell it was good and it wasn't overly sweet and i i got it i ordered it and then offered it to jesse and jody and they were both like whoa because oh, yeah. they are also high alcohol content oh, but yeah, they yeah. liked it but it was there i think the one there was something like 13 or 14 percent yeah so. yeah I, I mean it's it's basic i think a lot of times they bill it as a honey wine it just depends on where yeah. you go so yeah um, here they did call it a honey wine i believe but i mean you can you can get some meads that are like a demi sec and uh, I think the demi sec mm-hmm. ones, like the semi sweet, are like twenty. Mm-hmm. They're like twenty percent alcohol, which is oh, they're, wow. they're really high, but they're uh, dry. So yeah. or they're, they're yeah, or like they're those. yeah oh, dry. yeah. I, Have it, you ever had a plum wine? Well, I've had a lot of fruit wines. I don't know. I'm not sure what you mean by plum wine. So th- this is kind of the interesting thing about fruit wine is that uh, mm-hmm. grapes are a little bit unique in basically all fruits will ferment, but yeah, uh, most of the time. Most fruit won't ferment in the correct way to make a wine. So, okay. uh, so when you have like a plum wine or a blackberry wine or mm-hmm. so, or something like that, usually what's going on is they're making a wine either using sugar or using uh, some sort of grape, and then mm-hmm. and then and it's then... It, then they add a, a syrup to it or or they'll right. add or fruit oh, okay. juice. So kind of like you know how like uh the la- a lot of lambics in for the American market yeah. they'll add syrup. Yeah. And it'll be very, very That's sweet, very fruity. So a lot of those will yeah. will do that. Like there's a blackberry wine made by uh, Chateau Le Cabin in uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. They make a blackberry wine that I think is really good. Uh, actually, I did. Yeah. I think I did an episode on it, but it was it, it was also way sweeter than I remembered. And my taste has gone much, much, much less fruity than it used to be. And and then I'm starting to kind of come back around because now I'm like really into Portuguese wines, which tend to be very dry but very fruity. So. Mm, they're they're yeah okay. it's it's like I, like I'm, I'm going through like a cycle right now of like what i like yeah like, i haven't had a cab sov mm-hmm. like cab sov used to be when i first started the show cab sov was like the only thing i would drink and right i haven't had a cab sov i don't think since i maybe i've had one since i moved to texas so well maybe you'll have to try it again yeah, so yeah, that and you see can what it's like. If you yeah. Still like it yeah yeah exactly i mean there's just there's so much to try but this i will, feel like i do that with beer too yeah this is this will be the last the last question because i know that you and athen are going out to dinner in a little while um, oh yeah. The so this kind of goes back to what we're talking about is about like local and uh, like the local market and the collapse or whatever of uh, of of craft breweries and that sort of stuff. But I was kind of thinking, I just wanted to float this idea out for you and for the listeners. Is this something I've been thinking about lately? Is it seems like in American culture there was this sort of shift to the to like the the Applebee's cultures is what I'll call it. Like every town has an Applebee's. So yeah, there was just this sort of like homogeny in the United States where no matter where you go, it's all the same. And, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like this, I think when we, like maybe when we were like a little bit older kids, this was what was going on is that they were, you were building all these kind of small, these small communities along the freeway, all of them cookie cutter, all of them the same. They got an Applebee's, they got a Chili's, yeah. a, a Subway, yeah. a McDonald's. And then, and then that, and every single one's like that or whatever. And, you were seeing a lot of these kind of local flavor places kind of closing down and going away. Do you see kind of a resurgence of the localism happening with sort of the craft brew movement and also the like local alcohol, local wine? It seems like uh, coming along with this. And, and one of the things that I was reading in the Mountain Democrat about this was like a lot of these breweries and wineries and that type of thing also sell other local products. And it's, and they're, they're mm. saying like, Hey, this is like a really, is that the, Whereas like the United, like everything was becoming homogenous for a long time. So you can go and, and still there's going to be an Applebee's everywhere pretty much, but yeah. every, everything was becoming homogenous for a long time. But then since the internet made it really easy to discover local stuff and then people started really uh-huh. appreciating their local area, you saw sort yeah. of, and, it, and it's sort of like the, like breweries are kind of on the forefront of that is that everywhere I go, 
and actually, I think you're sort of the same way with this, is everywhere we're, where you or I go or when we're going is we want to check out what, what's the local beer. Like, yeah. e- even if we're not going to the brewery itself, we're going to like a restaurant or something like that. We're like, oh, well, what do you have local? Right. And and that seems to be kind of like a resurgence. Do you, do you experience this as much as I have? Because like we, I moved to Texas, it's yeah. a big city. There's a lot of stuff going on here. There's tons of local stuff. But mm-hmm. every time I go anywhere, I always look on the list for Texas, anything Texas, anything Dallas right. area. I, I, I just want – that's what I want is something local. And I don't want to go to Applebee's. I want to go to – you know, although this, I think that yeah. this sushi place we went to today is a chain place, but like, I want to go to like pecan barbecue lodge or whatever. So yeah. like those no, types I of things. Definitely, I do definitely agree with that. And I know at like, for instance, Hopcat, people come in, our menu is set up. We have 30 local beers and they are stay on, they're consistent. And then we have the rotating menu, which is the other hundred beers. Mm-hmm. And, um, People do come in all the time, and I definitely agree because it's almost the first question everyone asks, especially from out of town, are like, what do you have that's local? And yeah. I'm like, oh, well, perfect. We have this 30 local beers, which we also have other local beers on our rotating, but we it's really easy for us to point us there, and it's a super common question. Yeah. And then I also definitely would rather go to a local, you know, whatever restaurant versus something like an Applebee's. And what I've noticed... Um, for instance, a couple of the breweries here will only get their produce and their meat even mm-hmm. and their everything from local companies. So yeah. I think it is definitely helpful um, that it's for the smaller companies. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. But I do definitely think that it's a, it's a common uh, thing. It's a yeah. trend. Well, I, you know, and I see this like – Trend everywhere. This is you know to kind of go to the politics side of the show is that I think that this mm-hmm. is sort of a – is a lot of people are sort of – turning away from the the extreme nationalist sort of homogeneity or whatever, and it's going back to mm-hmm. localism, which I think is a really good sign politically too, where uh, people are going to be kind of more focused on their locality is like, mm-hmm. they, I think they see that like how, how toxic it can be to uh, be focused on like national politics, for example, as opposed to, to local politics, because like, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a big family. We've got a lot of people that pretty, like particularly my political like beliefs or whatever, like they're so polarizing in a lot of, <laughs> a lot of ways, but like I get along very well with everybody in our family and, yeah. you know, talking to our cousin, uh, you, you know, Paul, Paul's kid. So, uh, we, I, I talked to him and he and I are so drastically opposed on politics and, but we get Sasha? along. Yeah. Sasha. I, I don't know if I, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I should use that or not. I might beep it out, but, uh, oh, okay. we're Sorry. so I, I, it's okay. I just did. I wasn't sure if I, I was, I wasn't sure if I would use it. I might cut it out, but like he and I are so drastically opposed to each other on politics. And like, I see his point of view as dangerous and violent. Yeah. And okay. But, mm-hmm. uh, cause I mean, he's like a, he's a Bernie Sanders liberal and I'm sure he likes like right. AOC and, and all those types of people where it's like, and I find I like those people to me represent people who are going to steal from me and oppress me and force yeah. me to. Force me, force the one size fits fits all, like away from the localism, the, away from the individual choice kind of thing. Because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Bernie Sanders very famously was like, "Well, why why do we need all of these t- different types of deodorant? All we need is like one type of deodorant for everybody." Yeah, and like and like his implication is that he's going to pass a law to make it so there's only one type of deodorant available. Like, it, that seems crazy right. to me, <laughs> but uh, but anyways, like in our in our in our normal lives, when like Sasha and I would interact, we get along great. The one, yeah. the one time that we don't get along great, and I think this is very, is, is a really good, uh, example of, of where this is a problem is when it comes to electing federal, federal people, federal rulers, mm-hmm. basic rulers on the federal level is that if Sasha loses, he doesn't get the things that he is, thinks is the most important thing. And if, and I, although I don't vote because I'm an anarchist, but if, my people don't get elected or the people that I think would make things better don't get elected or whatever. And his people get elected. Then those people are oppressing Mm -hmm. me. And so the fact that we're fighting over who is going to rule the other person, it -hmm. makes it so it's very difficult to have a harmonious relationship. Whereas on this kind of, on like a localism level, when you kind of just focus on your locality, you know, Sasha, you know, he lives in the, you know, the communist Republic of Seattle and that's fine. And I like visiting Mm -hmm. Seattle. It's fine. But, uh, yeah, but I lived, before I, that I lived in L.A. Well, exactly. So yeah, the Communist Republic yeah. of, of L.A., the Communist Republic of yeah, California. Exactly. But So I, I think that like I, I see this – the movement of local beer, local wine, people being interested in these like 
Like mm-hmm. Na- like France makes really great wines. Napa, Sonoma makes really great wines. But I see like a lot of focus now coming in on local wines and mm-hmm. and in places that you don't really think of wine or good wine being produced, like Texas. You know, mm-hmm. Texas Texas produces a huge amount of wine, like volume wise. I think it's like fifth or sixth in the country in production levels. And it used to be a lot of plunk, wow. which is like not, not great wine. It was, it was made for like Francia or whatever the box wine is, you know, that people like, which right. I, honestly, I don't, I don't think Francia is the worst. I, I think, I think a lot of box wine is, is pretty good, but, uh, or, or it's, yeah. it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's passable. I mean, it's, it depends on what you are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, if you're, you know, what, what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you can make a great sangria out of Francia, like, and, right. and Francia has got like good, good red blends and, for a sangria, that's perfect. Uh, yeah. But then again, like, you know, you're adding rum and all this other stuff to it. So it's, it makes it different. But, uh, yeah. anyways, but that's sort of like the, that was sort of my closing note was like this, the whole turn toward localism, I think is going to be very healthy for both getting a lot of really uniqueness and, and it's going to make it more fun to do things like road trips. Like I, one of the things I, I want to do, yeah. um, is drive up to see you and just kind of like stop in little towns. I got to do it. I don't think Victoria is interested in the drive because it, you know, she, her back gets stiff and stuff like that. And she doesn't really want to be in the car that long, but like, I like, I like driving and just kind of seeing what's along the way, taking the smaller roads and stuff like that and just getting a little local Mm -hmm. flavor. And I see like kind of a resurgence of that. Although demographic shifts, it's, it's a lot of people moving into metropolitan areas. So I don't know. Well, I guess we'll end it on that note. I just thought it was an interesting thing. I, I, I kind of made this connection in my mind that like the yeah. the uptick in local beer, uptick in local local sourcing of food, local all this sort of local stuff is kind of hopefully a trend that is turning people away from the federal government and more – even if they are going to still be involved with politics, I, I would much rather it be on a state and local level than on a federal level. So uh, anyways. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So – And that's it. And, you know, that kind of connects to like, I I don't remember if it was you that I was talking about this with or who about how different states have such weird, different Mm -hmm. liquor laws. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that, which is just just another connecting thing is like, why, you know, or, you know, the federal has their laws. You know, like, why are you regulating what's in our country or like our state or our region mm-hmm. so it really does make a difference some of those federal laws just don't make sense in certain places yeah there's, there's they, actually some you know, you know I, I won't get too much into this but there's a lot of really interesting uh law changes coming through you know mason and i on the show follow a lot of the the local and um state regulatory issues so there's a mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff still left over from uh prohibition and that's so interesting. It is interesting. You think in this, you know, this ended almost, you know, 80, 80 90 mm-hmm. years ago, I guess. And, or no, I guess it would be, well, however many years ago, well, I guess 80 years ago, prohibition ended and we still have a lot of those laws left over. And there, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to kind of see like the position that you should come down on. So, like, in, there's a really a case going on, I think in Kentucky. I'm, I might be wrong. It might not be Kentucky, but there's a, it's, it's going to the Supreme Court. Or actually, it may, mm-hmm. it may have already gone to the Supreme Court, but, uh, and it's for like um, direct sales. So okay. uh, one of the laws in this state is that in order to um, sell wine in the state, you have to live in the state. And oh. and it's kind of a weird it's a weird law. It's set up it's basically set up so that it's difficult for large multi state companies to sell wine. And yeah. so and then they can charge a higher price if if there's less competition and that sort of stuff. So they're bringing it to federal court to to get it to say that this is part this is a violation of the interstate commerce clause, which is, you know, a constitution thing. And I, I kind of am of two minds of this. On the one hand, I, I have experienced this. It is super hard to send wine to people in Virginia in particular. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, and okay. just out of out of state it's really hard to send wine because you have to have like a special license to do it. It's it's crazy. So Yeah. Because I recently was trying to, I was trying to get some wine to Mason. I was trying to get some wine to a buddy of mine who lives in LA and mm-hmm. uh, from Texas. And it's just, it's a, it's to do it legally is very, very difficult. So, yeah. um, it, you know, I'll leave it at that. It, it's difficult to do it legally. So, yeah. So you didn't do it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the the. Like, but I'm of two minds of this. Like, I think that the people in Virginia should be able to decide what they want to do in that regard 
But on the other hand, like right. I'm an anarchist, I believe in like the individual. I should be able to send yeah. my friend in Virginia some wine. some wine, like from Texas. I just yeah. want I just want him to try yeah. it. It's interesting. It's a novelty, and yeah. I want him to be able to try it. And I should be allowed to do that. But I don't. But on the but then on the other hand, I don't want the federal government coming in and telling the state that they have to let that happen because I would I would prefer right. the state the states to kind of do it. So it's 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 a it's a tricky it's a tricky it's a tricky it is, yeah. position. So you know sometimes the federal government does stuff that I like, but I don't think I would, I think I would prefer them to never do anything and just allow states and locality. Cause you know, state can be just as oppressive as the federal government. It's just yeah. Yeah, yeah. on, on a local level. It just doesn't affect as many people. Yeah. yeah. So, right. all right, well that's, let's leave it at that. So, um, our beer today was from both of them. Well, I had two. One was Samuel mm-hmm. Smith's uh, or uh, oatmeal stout, and the other one was the one that Jory and I shared, which was Samuel Smith's organic chocolate stout. I think they're both great beers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're good. As I've been drinking, I definitely get um, a chocolatey aftertaste, mm-hmm. like it's left in my mouth. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's different than I remember, but I, I did enjoy them both, and it's kind of nice to, to drink beer again. Uh, so yeah. do you have any final thoughts, Jory? No, I think this was a great episode. Yeah, I think it was a good episode too. <laughs> so this, I'm going to put this one out probably on Friday, which will be on the 8th. Well, actually, mm-hmm. I do have a final thought. Sure. It was um, just that not so long ago, Jesse messaged – or she left me a message – that I didn't pick up. She called me. I didn't pick up. She left me a message that said, um, hey, I was just calling to ask you um, how a um, proper conversation should go. And that was her message. And then I called her back and she didn't pick up. And so I left her message saying that we should start off on one topic and then get really excited about some other topic and then go on to a different topic and then come back to that other topic and (laughs) go to a different topic and then go to a different topic, a different topic. And three hours later, wind up back at the final topic, which is exactly how a proper conversation should go. And interrupting is totally acceptable as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what this episode was. <laughs> yeah. A great, a great example of a perfect conversation. So yeah, I think so too. All right. Well, I will let you go and I hope that you have a great dinner. Oh, thank you. And, uh, we're going to try a local restaurant. Oh, nice. All right. Okay. Well, from, from me at Tasting Anarchy, everybody stay free.